Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Hey, everybody. This is Jay Nathan. Thanks again for listening to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Today's episode is part two of a conversation that we had with Lisa Pratt, who's the VP of Customer Engagement Marketing at Kronos, who has undergone a huge transformation from perpetually licensed software and services company to uh, cloud and subscription. So part one was awesome. Part two is, is fantastic. Excited to share this with you. Please leave us some feedback and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. When you went back to existing customers, which you've surely done by now to probably a bunch of your existing customers that were perpetually licensed early mm -hmm. on, and you went back to them and said, okay, because they own it, right? A perpetual yeah. license means that they own it. You can't really take that back. Mm -hmm. But now you're going to them and saying, hey, we have this new thing and you can now just continue to pay us forever, right? Maybe they pay a little bit of maintenance today, but how did they, let's talk about that first as part of the transition. Yep. And then I want to hear about you know, more of how you prep the sales team to, to do what they needed to do to, to take this new cloud story out to the, to their prospects. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think that one of the things that was happening was just like a change in what was going on in IT departments, right? So as IT yeah. departments start getting strapped and more strapped and more strapped um, and having to manage more and more systems because technology is at, is at everything. I mean, the, one of the values of cloud is, wait a second, I don't have to do it all myself. Yeah. Right. And so we went out hard with the, you don't have to do all yourself um, messaging. We, um, we talked a lot about, um, the, you know, it's up to us to make sure that you're on the most recent versions, right? So kind of the, the whole upgrade thing is now included in your, you know, in your SaaS relationship. Um, there, you know, from a budgeting perspective, it's very different because you're, you know, you only have to, you know, each, each year, you're, the, the amount is smaller, um, even though over time, you know, it will, it, it's more. Um, and so for some people, depending on their budgeting, that actually is very attractive. So we kind of went out with those with those kinds of messages and you know tried to figure out okay like so who do we talk to about this and who would who would care about this and where would this resonate and which of our customers do we feel this is um, you know are, are the best candidates for this kind of a flip and you know definitely <clears throat> it's interesting that you know some of it it was as the market was evolving so we knew that this was a better play at the time with small businesses rather than you know we have like we have huge companies who are, yeah. who are, so let's, you know, let's start there. Um, so, you know, I think we just kind of looked at the advantages of cloud and knowing that people were starting to dip their toe in the water in cloud and we just went out hard with the message. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the thing that just went through my mind there is that this is yet another really good timing thing for Kronos. It was, I know, I know. Cloud to your point, it was, IT was seeing the benefit of it. So you actually sort of had this magical moment where, you could say, hey, this is actually better for you to, to hop over to this. You actually get incremental benefit for paying us, you know, differently moving forward <laughs> and probably right. a little bit more. Yeah. And then the luck kind of continues in that now is our, as the business has morphed from kind of just workforce management to human capital management, yeah. and our buyer now has morphed into more of the HR buyer, right? Because now, man, right, like people are often the most expensive part of your business. And so recognizing that this, there's this whole movement around, you need happy employees in order to have happy customers. And so yep. like our, you know, our software plays into that. And, you know, this is our, our, what we offer has become a little bit more of a strategic bias, not just about punching in and punching out. It's about being able to honor, you know, a variety of schedules to help with work-life balance. So as that has morphed, 
our buyer now is more kind of some of the, you know, HR and payroll and some of the business folks. Right. And to them, this whole like, oh, we have a relationship in the cloud and this is not, I'm not, like, I'm not authorized to buy IT software licenses, but I can explore the solution that's out there. So just as our buyer has moved to the business side, actually, that also has helped with the, uh, um, you know, this, this being a cloud solution, not that it is, isn't involved. I don't mean to suggest sure. that, but oh, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. We, Kronos has definitely benefited from some fortuitous timing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that, that actually dovetails nicely into the, the sales aspect of it because it is still involved to your point, mm -hmm. but it's more of a data security play. It's more of a, you know, procurement strategy play in the enterprise. So yeah. I'm sure your sales team had to change pretty The messaging certainly had to change, but how did you, get the team up to speed to deal with that transition. Yeah, so obviously a lot of training, a lot of enablement. Yeah. We, and we had some like, so early on in the transformation, one of the things that we did is we put together an interactive playbook, right? So also for us, our processes, you know, everything from who, who approves what to what T's and C's do we, all of that stuff was obviously had been built for, for on-prem. So we put together an interactive playbook. So if, you know, if you're selling this, click here. Okay, that, that click leads you to here's the, you know, here's the T's and C's you want to try to negotiate. And if you yep. get to this point and you want, you know, like, okay, now you need to get approvals, click here. It tells you who can approve to what levels. And choose your own adventure book. Exactly. And okay, now you're on pricing, click here if you're doing cloud pricing because you have diff different discounting that we're allowing versus on-prem. Yeah. So we built out an interactive playbook just as step one, because I will say our sales process, it's much cleaner now, but at the time it was not optimized for SaaS. And so we're like, all right, we're not in the position to completely scrap our sales process but we do need to make it easier to find what you need. So that was kind of our, our temporary solution. The other thing we did is we built a, um, a cloud sales overlay team. So we had a small team of people who were aligned with our different ver sales verticals who were deep experts in the nuts and bolts of cloud and in the nuts and bolts of the implications of the security implications and the terms and conditions or implementa uh, implications and all of that. And so a salesperson could get to a certain point and then pull in the overlay team to really kind of be that highly credible. Yep. We know, oh, yep. You know, here's, here's what you're going to need. Here are the implications. Yeah. So that was how, um, and we still have the cloud overlay team. I would say that as our sales team has gotten more savvy about selling cloud, they now are kind of using the cloud overlay team for some of the bigger, more complex um, deals. The last thing that, that, is really part of this document that we've been talking about is, is your metrics. So it seemed like that was a whole work stream in and of itself. And I love the table in here that talks about the outcomes and operational metrics and then your financial metrics. But yep. How did you like, how did you even start? Sorry, yeah, that was a really, that was a, that was a tough one. Um, it was a tough one because we, we knew from doing lots of research and reading and what our kind of the, the upfront consultants had told us, was that we were measuring our, our business based on kind of the old, the old business. And there was this whole other realm of, of metrics that we hadn't heard of before, like ARR, right? And yep. you know, annual contract value and things that we were, that were not even on our, our radar. So, um, if, so first we had to learn about them. Um, and then we were trying to figure out like, how do we even measure those? And some of them, there are some nuances in the definition, but some of it is just like, we didn't have the data to do it. So yep. there, there was that piece of it. Um, then there was the, um, you know, so I was the, I was the, the, the team lead, um, the, you know, one of the leads on, on that project. And I kind of looked and I said, you know what, the, the, the end game here is retention, right? The end, like you, your SaaS business doesn't work if you can't retain customers for a very long time. Right. So 
this isn't necessarily about what our like what our new bookings are. This also has to be about like, what are we doing like in the middle of the journey in the end of the journey? Like what are all like, where like there is like, if we're just, if we just have our eye on the front of the funnel or like at the front of the journey, which is exactly the way we approached it, you know, with the traditional license business, you get all the money up front and you don't care. I mean, I think not that you don't care what happens, but you got the bullet, right? You got, you got 80% of your money up front. With right. that, it's the opposite. You're only getting 20 up front. So I was really careful and, and the team that worked on it was really careful about this isn't just about replacing traditional license bookings with, you know, an ARR or an annual contract value metric. This has got to be, how do we, how do we know across the entire journey, whether or not we're going to be able to retain for long enough to be able to take advantage of that yep. hockey stick in revenue that doesn't come for yeah. a couple of years. So that was when we said, let's think about the customer journey and what are the metrics that we need to to be tracking, not just the financial metrics, obviously that's a big part of it, but a lot of these other like customer sentiment and some of these other things are like precursors, right? They're like, you know, early leading, leading indicators. Exactly. Yeah. So if we, if we know that we're not getting our customers up and live quickly enough and they're starting to get angry about the fact that they're already paying, well, they're, they're going to start asking for credits or they're not going to want to, you know, they're going to say, you know what, this is taking too long. I'm going elsewhere. And they're going to, you know, so there's this, there was this whole like, what do we want the experience to be? How do we measure that at each stage and then overlay that with the, and is that, is our performance there jiving with how our, our financial performance is? And that was the way, that was the way we approached it. Um, it definitely took a lot of education, not just about the metrics, but about the why we're not just looking at the financial metrics and how yeah. the linkages between them was. And I remember having a, having a debate with one of our senior folks in, um, in finance, who I, you know, I said, you know, like when you, when you present this stuff, you know, do you think you can make sure that you say what ARR is, right? Like, I don't think people know what annual recurring revenue is and why it's important and why suddenly, all of a sudden, like, that's something that's on our, our reports. And they're like, well, no, everybody knows. And I'm like, they don't know. They don't even know today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, but if, I mean, if you say gross margin, your finance people probably think everybody knows what that means too. Yes. Right. right. Exactly. This isn't, a, this isn't even a gap term. This is a, a SAS term, ARR. Yeah. Right. And then you've got these other things, time to value, CSAT, NPS. Yeah. Uh, it's like a whole new world of things that, that aren't really you know, generally accepted accounting practice type metrics that matter tremendously. Yes. And by the way, at the time we were also, because we had so much of our business was still the traditional license based business. We were presenting the metrics both ways. So they were still seeing some of the older uh, bookings and billings and, you know, yeah. some of the more traditional metrics, because that's what, you know, we, we had to, we had to measure that because that's what the bulk of our business was when we were starting this. Right. Um, we have, you know, flipped that, but um, yeah, it was so, you know, but I, Anyways, was I was able to make my point and then, you know, and then they got on board and now every, like everything is when we talk about it, we, you know, we, you know, we're very careful to explain what the metrics mean and why they're important to our business. Yeah. And what so. they indicate in the future. And, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that is the perfect segue into the things that, that really matter from a customer success team perspective. So you didn't have a customer success team before this whole transformation either. We didn't. That was one of the recommendations. So when the you know our, the, the consultants came in and they said, "Here's the here are the here are the areas where you need you know they're okay. What you're what you're doing today will be okay for SAS. And then here are the areas where you're going to need to make some significant change. And here's some areas where you need to either stop doing something or start doing something because it's going to be an obstacle if you don't have it. And so customer success was one of these things. Where we're like, what's what's customer success? Sounds and cool. we didn't we hadn't even heard of it here um, a couple you know as of whatever four years ago. 
um, which is funny because now it's such a thing, right? Right. Um, so yeah, no, we we built it from scratch. We did a lot of research on you know, and and you know, as you know, some of your listeners probably know, there are lots of different ways to do it. So we did a lot of studying of where where should it report into? Should it be revenue generating? What's the coverage model, right? How many customer success managers per customer and how much money do they have to spend with us before it makes sense for them to have somebody dedicated? And what do these people even do? And what's the relationship between customer success and sales? Because in a license-based business, sales owns the relationship, right? But in a SaaS-based business, there's a whole piece of that relationship in the middle that's happening and it's ongoing, helping them to adopt and get value that is not revenue generating. And so that's actually not a good use of sales time right. because it's not, there, there, there are points where there's no additional revenue that are gonna happen at that moment, but the customer still needs attention, but sales guy isn't gonna earn any money. And you know, so there's that whole, like how does that whole dynamic work? And so yeah, we had a lot to figure out. And, um, and yeah, and we had to build it from scratch. We had to find a leader and yeah. Were there moments in there where the, the sales team or other teams internally confused customer success for just a, 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 a sort of a, a support function? Oh, yeah. Like an expanded support team? How expanded did you? Or escalations. Escal- right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, they're, they're going to deal with all the crap that I normally have to do with that keeps me from selling another deal. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we've had plenty of that. Like I'd say we, like, we still have that um, in yeah. some cases. Um, you know, I'd say it, it is a little bit lumpy. It kind of depends on how good the relationship between the salespeople and the implementation team and the customer success team is. And yeah. it also partly depends on the customer, right? I mean, obviously you want the customer to, to be able to kind of drive the relationship to a, stamp, to a certain point. But I mean, again, because we have such great retention, even of like our salespeople, right? And sales is, is an area that, t- that traditionally has very high turnover, not just for, you know, for Kronos, but in general. Yes. So in some of these cases, that customer has been, with had a relationship with that salesperson for years and years and years and years and years. And so it's like they like their salesperson is the go-to person. So now you've got to you know enter in another part of the relationship and sometimes a customer is confused. And um it's it is it is I'll say it is very hard to start customer success in the middle of your journey, which is what we have you know, which is what we did because we've been in business for a long time. I have to believe you probably came back to that customer journey model that you'd created in the, in the beginning mm-hmm. to help figure out, okay, we've got all these jobs that need to be done with the client over the course of our relationship with them. Now, where does the CSM plug in? Where did the salesperson used to plug in? Did you, did you go back to the journey mapping piece to help figure um, that out? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. So we have our, you know, so yeah, so we kind of did our, our, our journey mapping and we've got all the different stages and I have this whole document that I probably need to share more and socialize more where for each of those things, I kind of, I map out who are the players at the customer kind of in terms of role and who are the players at Kronos, right? And, and, yeah. the, and kind of who's the primary, who's the, you know, who are the others that might be involved at any given stage? Um, and so that we can have a, you know, a full understanding of where kind of where people play. Um, I will, I will say that like, you know, I don't want to call it compliance. That's not the right word. I'd say it, it maps differently depending on the customer situation there. Again, like there are some customers like, okay, you know, all right. I see that whatever at this point, customer success should be owning that, but that's something that for the last 15 years, the sales rep has been doing with them. So does it make sense to uproot that? Maybe not. So it, you know, it is a little bit fluid, but yeah, we mapped the entire customer journey to not just customer success and sales, but every role within Kronos that might possibly touch it. Going back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier around the cross-functional nature of this, 
Yeah. Right. I I bet you uncovered some, some deep, dark, ugly stuff through that process. Things that probably nobody even knew was happening anymore (laughs) in the bowels of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or actually, you know, what I've discovered more is like what seems like a pretty vanilla stage in the journey. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like eight different potential chronites that could be touching that process. Mm. So I'd say I found more of a, wow, much more of this is cross-functional than maybe I had thought previously. Interesting. And some of it is simply a matter of, okay, in order for that step later in the journey to happen efficiently or well, or, in, you know, create a good experience, something else had to have happened much earlier that maybe they didn't know they needed to do, right? Like, oh, we, we didn't know we were going to need that contact, a specific contact much later. So we never collected it. And then that's now causing a problem farther down the road, yeah. or we didn't, you know, whatever, if certain piece of information isn't collected during the implementation, it support has a harder time knowing, you know, where to go if they're, if they're calling in for help. So, um, so I'd say, yeah, it's more, it's more that exercise highlighted the degree to which everything we do here is cross-functional. Interconnected. Yeah. yeah. That's the benefit of looking at the four, I call it looking at the forest for the trees. You got to know what the big plan is and then you can start honing in and fixing individual processes. Yeah. After three years, when we kind of finished the 40, implementing the 45 different things that we had been told we needed to implement, we were getting ready to shut down the transformation office. We realized that where we hadn't finished the play was around the customer journey and really creating a differentiated customer experience, right? Like we put a lot of things in place that would definitely help us be more efficient, but had we truly mapped that to how we were going to use all of these levers to create like an extraordinary customer experience. And so they, so then as a result of that kind of aha, they transitioned me into this role as vice president of customer engagement marketing. And so I sit in the marketing department, but I'm responsible for, and I don't mean this in any like negative, like every, like we are a revenue generating organization here. Um, but I'm responsible for essentially the mar- pieces of marketing that are not around sales and lead generation. So right. my job, so the voice of the customer program and the customer community, which is we've got over 50,000 customers and partners and wow. clients in there. Yeah. Helping, uh, helping each other, answering questions, generating discussion, pointing them towards documentation. So the community falls under me and then um, the customer advocacy program falls under me and also customer marketing where here at Kronos customer marketing is purely around adoption, engagement, and delighting. So we're like that, that team is focused purely on making sure that each persona gets the information that they need to be successful with their Kronos solution. Um, And that looks very different depending on what the different personas is. So it's all about, you know, all right, we understand this is your business, you know, your desired outcome. Here are the things that we have that can help you get there. Um, And then also the the delighter piece, which is all around just reminding customers that we are thinking about them every single day and not just when we're trying to engage them in a, you know, in a, in a sales cycle, we're always thinking about them and we're, we care about them and we're always thinking about their success. So those are the pieces that, that fall under me. And so like, I think I have, I, so I, I kind of like to think of it as like the kinder, gentler side of, <laughs> of, of marketing. Um, and so, yeah, I have the, I have the pleasure of helping our, helping our customers from a marketing perspective, just, you know, be successful every single day. Yeah. Well, I think it's a big part of customer success too, is having well, there, that, yeah. that drumbeat of communication. I love what you said about think we're thinking about you all the time, not just when we're trying to get you to buy something new or adopt a new feature. It's like, we're always thinking about your, your success. And, and a lot of times you can't have that across the board with just the customer success team. Who's you can't have enough consistency there and enough coverage there of your whole account base. And that's where marketing and automation and all these things come in to help provide that 
tie that lifts all the boats. Yes, and to, and to be clear, customer success is a huge partner of mine. So like, well, I'll talk to customer success and like, okay, what are you hearing from customers? What is yeah. your strategy? What can marketing do to help automate that? You know, okay, what is the messaging? Like, we'll help you write messaging. We can help you, you know. So, I'm, so there, I work very, very closely with customer success to try to help them from a marketing perspective, get their strategy and messaging out there as well. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.